Welcome to the JMS Podcast with Jorge M. Sanchez. Thank you listeners for tuning in. We have a great episode with the artist Leah J. She is predominantly here in the San Jose area and I really digged her stuff. I checked out her stuff online. I was like, hey, I want to have that person on here. And sure enough, we communicated and boom, before I knew it, she was sitting in the blue chair in front of me. We had a good talk. I, we, I think we hit it off very well. Um, and there's so much to learn from her and her experiences that she shared. And uh, yeah, she overall, she's like a real cool person. Like, like, like The kind of person that when you go to a party where you don't know anybody, uh, but then, you know, there's that cool person that, you know, that's there and you can hang out with them and you don't feel as awkward anymore. Uh, yeah, that's the kind of person I think she is. She's great at gatherings. I, I, I really meant that as a, uh, as a compliment. I hope it came off as a compliment. I hope everybody's week went well. Uh, another week passed by. We are now in March. I believe I get my months all mixed up. That's a pretty bad thing of me. I, I'm doing okay. Uh, I had a bit of an, an a, uh, emotional breakdown uh, about the, the other day. Uh, my phone broke. And uh, yeah, it wasn't that I was worried that the phone broke. Like I know there's this thing among millennials where, you know, uh, there's certain people who have a problem being detached from their phone. I assure you that's not the case here. No, you see, my case is actually uh, on that same level of dumbness. Because uh, as soon as my phone went kaput, uh, my reaction was not, you know, oh my God, I did not save any of my contacts. Or, my God, how am I going to, you know, I, I forgot my mom's number or whatever. No, my, my initial reaction was like, oh no, I just lost my ex phone number. Like, like as if that that having her have, still having her number was still a possibility of something happening again and I was like what what it's been like almost six months like wh- why am I freaking out that I for sure lost her number by now and it just it hit me hard I was like holy shit I still miss the shit out of her and it took something stupid like this for my phone to break to come to that realization that I was like man I, I got a lot of work on right because six months and still hung up it's like it's it's not a good thing. I don't think so because, you know, she she's like a bit younger than me, and and six months she probably already moved on because that's what young people do when they get heartbroken. They're they're busy. They're young. They got great stuff to 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 do, and off they go to the world. Well, us older people, uh, yes, I know, I know, I'm I'm 27. I shouldn't say that, but you know, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm like, oh, whoa, okay. You know, it's not really a numbers game anymore. It's not about first experiences or anything like that. It's more about like, all right, uh, who who can uh, who can not only can I put up with, but who can put up with me? And uh, it, it's becoming clear to me that I have a lot of issues to deal with that not many candidates can fit that role. So it's like when that person does not work out, it sucks. It really sucks. And I'm like, oh shit. So anyway, so I was freaking out the whole time. I was like, oh my god. Like, well, what if she messages me and she needed something or whatever or, or whatever? And, I, and then I took this emotional breakdown all the way to the AT&T store and I was explaining to them, it's like, is there anything we can do to retain this thing? They're like, why? Like, how, you know, what's the big deal? And I'm like, well, you know, I have an X numbers. And they're like, dude, what's wrong with you? I'm like, damn, yeah, you're right. What is wrong with me? And it came clear to me at that moment when I was getting a new phone. I was like, you know, I kind of needed this. This was a good sign. It was a good thing that my phone broke and that I realized that I still have uh, some issues to take care of as far as my past relationship and how I feel about it now. And I think this is a good thing. I feel, I feel, uh, now that I look back at it, I feel a little liberated. I was like, you know what? Maybe it's a good thing. Now I could concentrate on like this podcast and shit or whatever. And I got to say, I, I never I never thought I would say this but but it's like man I really gotta get, get I really gotta work on on this shit because I thought I was doing all right you know about the fourth month in I'm like all right all right we I, I'm I, I still I'm still a kind of a functional human being there's nothing wrong being single um and then and then I'm like oh okay and then this happened I'm like oh okay. Uh, anyway, I just 
thought I could share this because I'm sure someone could relate to that, right? Where you realize that you're taking a lot longer to process heartbreak and you're taking a lot longer to move on. Well, in some ways, this phone breaking is a blessing disguise. Anyway, uh, before we go on with our interview with Leah J, a reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on, um, for some reason, I was going to say Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays, but which you can. You can listen to this podcast every day of the week if you wanted to, but you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You can follow the JMS podcast for, uh, let's see, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So please uh, allow this podcast to be part of your life, especially if you're locally here. Uh, I, I think you'll find a lot of interesting stories of uh, pr- uh, previous creative guests. All right, let's move on to our guest, Leah J. Do you, do you usually plan out the the week? Yeah, I just got done looking at my planner, so that's probably why I'm saying what day it is. I was like, because I'm thinking about my planner. Hmm. But Leah J, I'm I'm happy you're here. Uh, I caught some of your work online. You can recommend it, actually. I can recommend my own work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I highly recommend. Well, like, hey, I, 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 heard, like, have you heard of Leah? I'm like, Leah who? You know, like, oh, <laughs> Leah J. I'm like, oh, and they, they said check out her Facebook profile, um, your artist profile. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, it's pretty cool, you know. Thank you. I have a website, too. Oh, really? That's I, not as up to date as my Facebook, which is the story with every artist in the world. But, yeah, it's leahjart.com. It's easy to find. But uh, it seems that... Um, you're quite attracted to nature. I am. And, and specifically, it looks like you, a lot of your work has to do with frogs. Oh, yes. You found my amphibian love project. What's the story behind that? Well, I um, some years back, I just got all fired up about the amphibian extinction crisis when I heard about it. I just heard about I just read about it or something. I don't remember the source, but I just heard about, you know, how in trouble amphibians were in the world. And I said, I got to do something about this. And I just started painting frogs. I didn't really know what I was going to do with the frogs. And that Uh amphibians includes frogs, newts, salamanders, and toads. And by the way, you you, you could lower the pop filter. Could I? Yeah, you you won't cover your face too much. There we go. Uh, I, I don't make you... Height adjustments for the short. Ah, that's actually better. I don't feel quite so. <laughs> so you, you got uh, involved with an organization to uh, deal with the amphibians. Like, we're talking about amphibians that are like in, in the Amazon. Amphibians are everywhere. Right. Um. <laughs> but uh, are they endangered around here? Well, in general, amphibians as a group are endangered and they're... How to explain this? I'm not a scientist, but they're basically like the canary in the coal mine. Coal mine when it comes to things like climate change and the ecosystems in general. When you look at amphibian species, you can see that they decline. They're sensitive, so they tend to decline first um, before other things do. So there are a lot more endangered types of amphibians around the world than there are any other type of thing right now. Um, and I'm doing a very poor scientific job explaining that, but uh, anyway, that's it. Yeah, so anyway, I got concerned because I said, oh, well, that, it wouldn't be good to... I speak in generalities, and I think that way, too. So I thought, well, years from now, we'll be talking to our grandkids about there used to be frogs here, or there used to be newts in this lake, and they were really neat, you know, and <laughs> it just got me super sad. I was just like... I mean, in general, I've always been very environmentally minded, and I contributed to... Forest forever, you know, because I'm I'm really into trees. Also, trees are another thing for me, and I just uh, said, "Oh, I'm gonna do something." But I didn't really know what. I just said, "Okay, I'm gonna paint a frog." That came out pretty well. I just painted it. Another frog. Oh, that came out pretty well. And then painted a salamander. Well, that came out pretty well. And I sort of didn't know what to do with it. And then I thought, "Oh, I know these. Um, these make a good book, I, or some sort of format like that, and put them in a book, make an art book out of it." So I think I decided about four paintings in, and that's 
what I wanted to do. And then I was thinking about how to crowdfund it and how to get the marketing together. I had to think about all the business angles and um, because you have to think about everything simultaneously. Right. right. <laughs> because if you're doing something by yourself, you have to think, well, not only am I going to create these things, but I have to figure out how to get them seen by other people and how to fund the actual book. <laughs> and, you know, like sometimes, all these things. Sometimes you're exhausted before you even think <laughs> something, you know. Well, yeah, it, it's, it's a, it didn't come out exactly the way I wanted, but it came out close to the way I wanted. It, it came out pretty well. And that's something I've learned. It's like, well... If you have a good idea, go with it and let yourself accept how it turns out. However, it turns out it's sort of an organic experience that you have every time with every project and you just have to allow it hmm. to happen. Now, you mentioned trees. Is there a particular set of trees that you're interested in or, or just like the amphibians are kind of all over the place? Um, I think for me, it's... Um, the presence of older trees, I've always been very um, moved by them. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And so big old oaks I like. And I, before that, when I grew up, I spent some time in the Santa Cruz Mountains. My parents actually built a house up there. Whoa. Yeah. Why? So I know, crazy. No, that's cool. Like, why? Like, I don't know. Ask them. Ask them. <laughs> Said, I, I guess he, let's you build a house. You did not appreciate the the move to the. Oh, I totally did. Okay. I totally did. Like part of me did, and part of me didn't. The part of me that did really got into standing outside a lot because there wasn't much else to do, and sort of communing with the nature and being at one with the life around me, and just getting into the big old redwoods because we're talking right in the middle of like. Santa Cruz Mountains. Like Scotts Valley area? No. I, like it just just drive as far as you can into the forest until you're deep into the forest and it's the furthest way to get out. That's how deep they went. They they <laughs> and, and they, they never explained why. Like they got tired of city life or something like that. I think it was a I think it was a dream of theirs to live this um sort of independent existence. Mm. Like they got they got into the idea that they would build their little homestead. Wow. Not that they would really be self-sufficient or anything, because my dad still commuted to work from there. <laughs> that was crazy, I think. Yeah. But um, were they fans of like Emerson, or, or like? Uh... Um, I don't. I don't think so. I think hmm. it was just their own idea that they they just wanted to go out and like be like make their own way in the forest and have this house where they could build it any way they wanted and have chickens and ducks and grow a garden and you know do that how old were you when they made the move i believe i was 11 ah and where were you living prior 10 or 11 um well i grew up in san jose so it was pretty much blocks from where I live now. <laughs> um, so, uh, Almaden area in San Jose. Mm. Okay. So, that's where I lived when I was in second grade. And then that's then we moved up in the mountains until I was I don't know, 11, 12, 13, 14. So, I lived up there for a while. And then we moved back down to um, Los, kind of Los Gatos area. Moved around a couple of times, but... Now, I've always been a local, really. Now, were you introduced to art when you were living up there in, in nature, or was it already established when you're in growing up in Almaden? Um. Yeah, I pretty much started drawing more things other than just rock stars, <laughs> but it may it may have been a case of how old I was. You know, I was just starting to get more mature and think about stuff different. But um, when I was 11, 12, 13, you know, I, I became a big Yes fan. I don't know if you know who Yes is, but yes. super old band. <laughs> Progressive rock right, band. Right, they're not that old. They're uh, well, 80s, yeah. right? But, or is it late yeah, 70s? 80, well, they had sort of resurgence in 84, 85. Okay. So, What's one of their hits? Well, at the time, it was Owner of a Lonely Heart. Owner of a Lonely Heart? Yeah. yeah. Okay, totally. yeah, yeah. So... My little teenage brain just went, this is the best music I ever heard. And I have to listen to all of this band. And, of course, little did I know, 15 albums later, 
I'm like, wow, okay. So, <laughs> so that band was responsible for <laughs> um, getting me to draw because I, before the internet, I didn't have any way to any mode of band worship other than drawing the members of the band myself. Like from like magazine covers? Yeah, from magazines and albums and anything I could get, like a picture of what they look like. I'd yeah. be like, I have to now draw this band. Y- you know? Did, <laughs> did your parents find that odd? Like, oh, okay, that's, that's nice, honey. You're, you're drawing celebrities. They didn't even they didn't even look at my work. They didn't even really know. Or Was, was it by, like, th- did you hide it from them or they just were so busy doing their thing? I don't think they were really interested. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so it was just, you know, I don't know. I spent a lot of time by myself. I was uh-huh. very by myself and just... No siblings? No, no siblings. Ah, okay. And uh, so. so... So for fun, up there you would you would draw BS. Was that the only band you were drawing? Yeah. I, I When I... <laughs> something about me you should know is that when I get into a thing, I get into a thing. Hmm. And that is the thing. <laughs> and there is no other obsession for like a year, two years, three years. Like I will, when I'm a fan of a thing, I just really commit. Okay. Really commit. And so, so especially when I was younger, I would commit and it would be singular for longer. And now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, okay. I can say I'm a fan of like a few things as opposed to just this one obsessive thing. So I'm getting saner as I get older and... Really? More able. I, I feel like I'm the opposite. I feel like I'm getting <laughs> even more crazier and insaner. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Um, <laughs> sorry to hear that. <laughs> hmm. This tea is very good. Oh, yeah, a yeah. lot of it. It's, it's, what is it, the cinnamon berry? It's cinnamon berry. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I don't do very well with, with like, uh, very tasteful tea. Like, I stick with my boring green tea boring green tea yeah. that's not boring it makes you live forever does it yeah oh oh yeah <laughs> so you got that going for you <laughs> but anyway so you're 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 up, up here only child yes up there in nature mm-hmm. uh when did you make that crossover from drawing celebrities to drawing what's around you well i, I think i had nature put in my mind then but I wasn't drawing it yet. It was sort of latent and just waiting. But um, when I I went to Las Gatas High School and I studied under a teacher named Scott Downs, and I will mention his name, Scott Downs. Thank you, Mr. Downs. You are awesome. And he's the vice principal there now. Yay. Um, <laughs> you still keep in touch? No, but uh-huh. I just saw his... Yeah, I'm just stalking him, weirdly. Um, no, I just... <laughs> was doing something else at the high school and I happened right. to see his name there right. and I went oh cool he's still here anyway um so he was my art teacher and he was a really great art teacher and I had um, art in junior and senior years in high school and I just got a lot of opportunities to show at a local gallery because the local gallery did like um, high school students and I saw my work up there and people liked it and I think that was the first time I really went huh this art thing has mm-hmm. promise. Now, because you were an only child, uh, I'm interesting to know uh, how did you process that 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 process of creating something, putting it up there for the public, and then having them judge it and like give you feedback on it. Because I figure if you have a sibling, like my sister, my brother, all the time, they tell me, oh, that's, that's crappy, Jorge. Or, they're always saying something about my work. Hmm. So I figure if I, if I didn't have them and I just put it out there, I, I think I, I would have viewed my my stuff a, a little differently. Would you agree with that statement or am I blowing smoke out of my ass here? No. <laughs> um, oh, you could cuss here, by the way. Nice visual. Yeah. Um, no, but <laughs> I just think that the... If you don't have siblings, you don't know what it's like to have siblings. Right. So the fact that you're telling me what it's like to have siblings is interesting and neat. But I never had that experience. Like whenever, when you're an only child, you only have your friends, if they're close enough to tell you, or your parents, if they're close enough to you and your thing to tell you. But I was sort of a loner and really an outsider type. And so there's me. There's me and my inner demons and angels and 
all the voices in my head and and me all by myself talking. So there I was. I can relate to that. Yeah, there e- was even, really... even even as someone that have siblings, <laughs> I, I've always felt a bit of a, of a solitary person. Even mm-hmm. as a kid. Oh yeah. Even as a kid, you know, I tried to fit in. I never could, and in some ways, I've never really gravitated to what was popular. <laughs> I can relate to that <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I don't really think I notice what's popular <laughs> if that makes sense I'm so up in my own head that it's like oh that thing is popular neat <laughs> yeah. but the question I'm trying to ask is like how was it when you're at that young age showing your art and getting feedback from it from strangers well to me it was encouraging because I got good feedback and I got good feedback only because I got really good assignments <laughs> in class what kind of assignments to do were them um, you know a good art teacher will give assignments to students that could become portfolio pieces like copy this oil painting in oil paints like the old masters did and go yeah that kind of thing yeah i i, I saw some of your work and you, some of it kind of reminded me of a bit of van gogh like you had some of those circular patterns oh swirly things yeah those swirly things yeah i might my work is sort of typically female i guess but a lot of organic forms and a lot of curve curved forms and you know those things oh. just it's come inter- out of me it, i can't help it <laughs> it's interesting you call it female uh, how, how, did that, how does that work when you describe an art female looking well it, it's typically described as female i think i'm just reflecting what i've heard <laughs> but a lot of times um art is described as feminine if it's if it's curvilinear and has a lot of organic forms in it and you know, I, I think it's great, actually. That's my favorite kind of work to look at. So it's my favorite kind of work to create, and it's what comes out anyway. So um, that's kind of, you know, swirls are my jam. What can I say? Was there a period where you, got, you just got infatuated with swirls? They just come out of me. I don't know what it is. Uh-huh. I, I don't consciously do anything. But if you ask me to doodle, it's an interesting exercise, actually, to do for a student. I do this for my students sometimes. I'll give them a blank sheet of paper, and I say, I'll cover this with doodles, and I'll give you 10 minutes. Go. And then just let them, just don't coach, don't do anything, just give them, give them a pen, you know, so they can't erase, and just go. And it's interesting to watch them go through the, first they go through, well, it depends on the student, they'll go through all these stages of stress because they don't know what to draw, and that's like the worst stressful blank page scenario so you watch them shake and freak out quiver and stuff and then you watch them doodle and then watch them try to draw things and then it's great because if you cover if you truly cover a page with natural doodles you'll you'll see what's in there what's going to come out of you naturally eventually like if you just go with it what what'll flow out of you naturally will just happen like natural patterns Natural patterns, like nobody's doodles will look identical to anybody else's doodles. It's just like no one's handwriting looks like any other handwriting. It's uh-huh. because that is you on the paper. It'll just come out. Interesting. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, the way you doodle reflects a bit of your personality, would you say? It's like a it's like a fingerprint. You, you can't change it. It's not even about your conscious personality. It's just yeah. you. Have you ever looked at a student's noodling and be like, all right, this kid has issues? No. <laughs> uh, I think I need to meet with the parents. <laughs> Doodles do not have any judgment placed upon them. No. They are just what comes out. <laughs> All right, so you're young. You're here. You're going to school. You're encouraged to take art. Uh, did you take it seriously at the time, or was it for something just to do it through high school? I did not take it seriously at all. I thought, I thought it was just so that I could draw pictures of John Anderson better who's the lead singer of Yes, because I never let go of a thing. Right, right. Once I have a thing, right. as you know now, warning. Um, <laughs> In high school, is that what you were known as, as the Yes girl? I was the Yes kid, yeah. Really? It's basically, hi, yeah. what's, what do you like? Yeah. Um, other than Yes, not much. So that's awesome. I've met other people like that right. too, though, since. I mean, I know a girl who could be totally bonded because she said, oh, in, in school I was the... Uh, I was the Duran Duran chick in school, hmm. or, I, or I was the, uh, oh, what's that band? I can't remember. Anyway, it, it's just funny how sometimes it there'll wham? be that kind of per. No, 
It was deep. It was a '90s. It was that '90s. Depeche Mode. No grunge. Nirvana. No, even flow. Um. Everflow. That that yowly guy. Yowly the yarling guy. Yarling guy. guy. <laughs> I don't think I know what yarling even means. Yarling means the growling voice guy. I can't remember. It's gonna come to me though at two in the morning. Creed? I'll sit up and go. It... No, but you're getting close. Creed. Okay. <laughs> it's gonna come to me later. Anyway, so there's a type of girl I think that will just get involved in one band or singer, and that'll be like their thing. Right. <laughs> that'll be it for them. It's like, oh, this is what I do. <laughs> this is what I am. So I still hadn't grown out of that. I was still a yes girl, and so I said, oh, that's neat. Well, so now I gotta go to college and major in biology because it's what you do. <laughs> Why is it? Why did you choose biology, and which school did you go to? Biology, because I I had that nature put in there, as I described earlier, that nature loving person said, "Oh, biology might access something," and I went to UC Santa Barbara. I'm oh. sorry, was your question? Did I answer it? Oh yes, you did. <laughs> and how was it? And at Santa Barbara. Beautiful. That is a beautiful school. That's a beautiful town. It's a beautiful town. Yeah. A beautiful school. I had a view of the ocean from my dorm window. And I thought, this could be worse. This is a beautiful view. <laughs> and it was really perfect weather and great people and just an amazing four years of my life. I really loved college. Did you grow out of yes there? Oh, gosh. Did I? Kind of. Yeah. I started liking other bands. Sorry, yes. I moved on. <laughs> well, I guess you kind of... <laughs> you were in the mind to move on from several things. So you you moved to a different place by yourself. Yes. yes. So I guess you're bound to to be like, all right, I need to build an identity here. Yeah, I I'd say that identity building started um, then in college, and I started. Oh, I just liked fantasy and science fiction, and I was kind of a nerd, and I I fell into a bunch of people like me who also were kind of nerdy people. And what, what kind of nerd stuff were you into? Now or then, I I read a lot, and I uh, like I had dragons all over my, um, you know, all the visuals were very important to me. So dragons, okay. So I had dragons all over the place, and the day we moved in, my roommate also had dragons all over her side of the dorm room, and we bonded over that immediately. We were like, oh my gosh, we're so lucky, and we're such best friends. You know, because it was just like a dragon's thing for both of us. So, um, yeah. And then, you know, I started playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Nice. Uh, D&D, huh? D&D, yeah. With my, I always hesitate a little because I always go, am I going to have to explain D&D to a new person? No, yes. I have plenty of friends who do it. Oh, okay. So you know what it is. Okay, yeah. cool. It's a big community. Big. It is a big community and it's growing oddly. It, there went through, there was a time there where you'd say D&D to people and they'd go, what? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, what? Are you into like, uh, like dungeons? Is this kind of sick? sexual thing <laughs> or, or you say you're into witchcraft <laughs> yeah do you worship satan not usually yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah but it seems like the most average person is into D these days at least, at least of my generation <laughs> well that's good to hear that is extremely good to hear because i've been gaming forever and that's how i made most of my friends that's how i met my husband and that's basically you know did the you get, structure did you and your husband bond over uh, uh dragons or yes Neither we bonded over gaming. gaming. We met gaming, and so that was that's cute the thing. I, I couldn't imagine you guys role played as a couple, only to end up as a real couple. No, we didn't do no. that. We no. met at a party at the school that was um, the gaming club mm-hmm. had a had a Halloween party at UCSB, and parties at UCSB. Oh yeah, you really, yeah. Were they great? Some drinking happened, and uh, right. And what else happened? <laughs> I'm trying to remember what else. <laughs> um, yeah, that's how they go. Right. That's how right. they go. Some lost memories there, yeah. <laughs> Some dead brain cells. <laughs> did I mention I had a good time in college? Yeah. I had a yeah. really good time in college. Now, did you concentrate <laughs> at art in college? Or did you, did you put it aside and, and just concentrate on that college life and, and biology? You know, it's funny. I Was it marine biology? I'm sorry. It was marine biology, okay, right. but... 
I didn't graduate with a degree in marine biology because I'm me, and I graduated with a degree in film. I film graduated. Studies. I graduated with a degree in film. What it's are you trying to say? Best. It's the best, isn't it? Uh, I don't know, but I mean, it's the best when you're in it. Once you graduate, <laughs> you're like, oh shit, I got a film degree. What does that mean now? Yeah, well, I mean, it. You know, unless you have something. Unless you have something like engineering or something very specific, you know, like psychology or whatever, you're kind of on your own anyway. And yeah, yeah. But that's interesting. Why the switch over to film? Because I, I don't know, I just really got into watching movies and I've always been into movies, deep What kind of movies, movies are we talking about here? Nerd movies. Oh, you can't say that. Come on. <laughs> no, a- I, I start, it started with uh, Star Wars in 1977, which I remember standing in line for multiple times. Multiple mm. times. I was one of those people that was like, how many times have you seen Star Wars? Dude, I've seen it more times than you. How many times have you seen Star Wars in theaters? Oh, no, I see. I don't know. I don't know now. At the time, I was bragging, though, is my point. Uh, we, it double was digits thing. here? Are we talking about double yeah, digits? Yeah, double digits. Double digits. <laughs> but that was nothing. I mean, there were people who were like, dude, I've seen Star Wars like 25 times. No way. Of course, mm. then again, it might be some fish story by then. You know, right, you have right, no way to. I am right. giving away my age right now. Yeah. <laughs> Does anyone out there remember standing in line for, <laughs> for Star Wars? I might get some emails from listeners to be like, hey, I remember when I. Hey, when yeah, I remember. Saw Star Wars at or the standing theaters. line for uh, Superman. That was a real. Oh, the the Richard big... Donner version, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a classic. Is everybody with me? Going back in through time, it's so wonderful. <laughs> That's the best. Yeah. Okay, so you're like into that films? I like superhero films. I like spandex films for sure. That okay. sounds kinky, and I like. Uh, <laughs> I like Star Wars, I like Star Trek. I like I'm a big Trekkie. Love all those movies, even the old ones. So the did, new ones are great. Though. Did you transition to film as a way to make your own uh films or as a way to really get more involved behind it? You know, genres? I've always been I've always been really into the behind the scenes of films. So while everybody else will be going Dude, I watched this movie and it was really great. I'd be like, so did you watch the extras where they showed how they made it and got all involved in the technology and all these, and they're like phasing out. It's like, there's extras, there's director's cuts, what? You know, like, I will get deep in there and like watch how it's done behind the scenes and enjoy it. Like sometimes a lot more than the actual movie. (laughs) So I've always been really interested in that and I... uh, what I thought at the time was there was some logic involved in my life at the time. Not very much, but a little. And I thought, oh, maybe I can merge art and film together. Sure. Because I, I took some art classes. Always been artsy anyway, just sort of on the sly. But I thought, oh, maybe I can kind of move into art that way. And then I um, got into animation and I started doing animation, the ink and cell type Paint, uh, sell and paint type not oh, before cla- computers right. back in the classical old times days. yes yeah. and uh, that was tedious and then I went to LA and toured a couple places to work and I said Whoa. These, these places suck these are sweatshops I'm not doing this yeah. Yeah. and not only that but LA sucks and it seemed to be the only place to live sorry about everyone out there who lives in LA right now no it's, it's actually very true <laughs> I just true. realized that there are things about it that I just could not Oh, yeah, definitely. There's definitely uh, a scene in visual arts uh, and animation as well where yeah. a lot of people are underpaid, you're working overtime, and a lot of times they, they the studios don't take account like how many people are behind like a couple frames of animation or just a couple frames of visual effects. I watch credits yeah. for everything I yeah. watch, and I see how many people, especially on you know a new animated movie, computer animated completely movie, and you watch how many people are involved, yeah. and you just go, Wow, I could have been one of those people. Would I have wanted to be one of those people? I don't know. So what kind of animation were you influenced by when you, when you got into it? Oh, um, I was coming up with artsy stuff from my head. I was trying to make my drawings come to life, like right. cartoony type. But, but you, you did not have like an example to strive for? No, no. I wouldn't say I had a very deep animation um they had like one animation teacher at UCSB. It wasn't very big. And film at the time wasn't a very big department. Right. And of course now it's like it's huge, huge yeah. and great and wonderful. So now when I say, I oh, I'm a, film, I'm a film <laughs> studies grad from UCSB yeah. and people go, 
whoa, that's so cool. And I go, well, um, okay, you don't know what year, but yeah, okay. (laughs) So it was just, you know, kids trying. And we were encouraged, and everybody in art, too, in the art department, was encouraged to do your own thing from your heart and your mind. And there were a lot of uh, abstract and um, interesting, you know, everything was still super abstract and artsy. And there wasn't really a lot of traditional classic animation coming out of UCSP at the time. Experimentation was the key, so. Mm. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about that. Well, like, <laughs> what's an animation film that in college you kept watching? Well, gosh, animation for me, I hate to say Disney, but you know, like, early, nothing wrong with Disney. early Disney, I, I push Disney away because it's like one of those one of those things you don't I get it but there's a lot of uh, how can I say this respect in the craft and the way they've done things especially over the years I mean they've gone hey you're ringing man oh my god I got got this new phone so unprofessional of me tell them to go away we're talking go away (laughs) let's see I just got this phone my phone broke Uh yeah I'm trying to put it on on what's a airplane mode oh right there we go airplane mode there are turn on sorry about that that gave me the time no the fact that phone rang gave me the time to formulate a coherent answer which is fantasia oh, i'm gonna go with fantasia yeah no oh. because that's the disney i like that is like the whoa we're gonna give people a bunch of time to just do the art <laughs> do that, what's in your that, mind that movie scared the shit out of me when i was a kid it scared you yeah the the the, the one uh short film about the the devil and the demons sure you don't remember that one? I do remember it, but yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, that's awesome. Well, I grew up Catholic, so it's like, <laughs> fuck. Is this what's going to happen when I die? I'm going to be dancing on some <laughs> devil's palm? I remember exactly the scene, the lighting, the music, and everything. I think I was too yeah. into, like, yeah. what color lighting is that? I like, because the way I think about things, I wasn't scared. I don't remember being scared. Of course, my mom is now going to listen to this and go, you were totally scared. Which of those uh, Fantasia vignettes did you enjoy the most? Oh, I liked the fairies. Oh, yeah. I really like fairies. I've always been into fairy the fae, the world of the fae. The world and of the fae. What is that? The world of the fae. Sounds like a cult. Is it? It's a t- it's a cult, and no. I'm in it. <laughs> You're the leader. <laughs> it's a total cult. I'm You're the it. founder. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> I am the founder. Um, no, it is just the the fae world, the world of fairy. Um, it's just like the. It's like the other side of this world, but more, it's like where nature lives and is pure and all the spirits of nature live and are pure. And you know, Mm. like a fairy ring is a ring of mushrooms in the forest and that's like a portal to the world of fae. So be careful when you see that because you might accidentally fall in and so bad. (laughs) So do you believe in those photographs, those infamous photographs? Oh no, I don't believe in those. No, no. You know what I'm talking about? I totally know what you're talking Back about. Back in Houdini days, like these two yeah. girls took photographs. and uh, Yeah, I remember seeing that and going, yeah, you guys. <laughs> those are nice photos and everything. The way they set them up, though, yeah. that's really kind of cool. But no, Not I don't really? believe in it. No. I did for the longest time when you, I was a kid. I was totally into that stuff when I was a kid. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I was totally into like uh, just supernatural stuff. Oh, when I was a yeah. kid, I totally believed in it. Are you kidding? <laughs> I thought you were asking me now. No, oh. at the time, my head was all... And I'm a real big fan of uh, Brian Froud uh-huh. and, like, the Dark Crystal. Uh-huh. And Brian Froud was a designer for Dark Crystal stuff. And Jim Henson and the Muppets, which is a t- total other thing. Um, <laughs> but that world has always been in my head anyway, sort of put there some somewhere. So it's familiar to me. So when I watch, like, Dark Crystal or when I look at pictures of Brian Froud or I think about like that stuff I go it's so it's so me it's so familiar the world of fate I must obviously have been from there mm. <laughs> now it seems that you were pretty good at animation to be shopped around LA so you m- must have been exemplary no w- were you not really no, no. okay no. so you graduated with the film degree yeah you it look- was mostly writing I learned to become a writer really in yeah, that's College, important. That's because important. that's they didn't really have a lot of hands-on classes yeah. to take, and I took the ones I could. But it's really what I came out with: the vocabulary, long words, and 
ability to sit for long periods of time and write paragraphs. I mean, because that's what anybody learns in college, right? But yeah. it's just, it's such an important skill. Oh my gosh, but it's so important. But with film, what changed me in film when I was studying writing, uh, especially screenwriting, mm-hmm. uh, is to, uh, yes, you're doing a lot of writing, but make sure you give a shit about what you're writing about. Right, right. D- thinking yeah. about it deeply and analyzing. Because for me, that's right. the difference between an English paper and a film paper. English uh, paper, I could, you know, just analyze it and, and I don't know, make it sound good. And, and <laughs> it's, it's, it's something totally detached from me that I could study and write about. Right. Well, right. film, it's like the story is coming from me, much like an art. This this canvas, this something about this is, is me. Mm-hmm. So what about me am I trying to put out, out there in the world? And at the time, my screenwriting teacher was going through a divorce, so he was he was brutal on his students. Oh, wow. But, but, in, a ver- but in a very good way. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> and, uh, trust me, I needed a good ass kicking at the time. <laughs> Uh, but like, did you have those kind of teachers in writing? No, but I I would write papers that got really confused notes from my teachers. I was I was pretty A ish, you know. I was I wasn't four point oh, but I was like three point five or something. Anyway, I'd get a A's on my papers, but then I'd get these questions, you know, like, do you remember what this was about? Like, I would really analyze things, but I would go real deep into it. I'd get super meta and like. Yeah you know really kind of write a really odd paper but then again that was probably because it was written over the span of you know two nights with lots of caffeine involved and you know like (laughs) i i learned how to write a paper under pressure and i learned how to write coherently with large words and these things are really important skills in the work world they are like really important and how to analyze and how to watch how to not just watch a film, but how to really get into the structure and the, the how to, you know, the creation part of it. Like you were saying earlier, like it's not just from the outside. It's like you, you get into it, you get involved in the creation of the art mm-hmm. of film. And mm-hmm. so that's why I like watching extras on the Blu-ray <laughs> instead of watching the film. I'm like, can we watch the extras first? <laughs> uh, you must be fun on, on movie nights. Movie yes. nights with, with Leia. Yes. Oh, we, a new we, podcast. We don't even watch the films. We watch the the commentary. We watch the commentary, director's commentary, yeah, and add totally. our own commentary on top of that. Totally. <laughs> All right. So you graduate. You go to LA. You shop around for work. You're not digging it. Not digging LA. No. What do you do after that? Well, I met my husband gaming, as you know, and we were together then, and so we had to decide as a team teamwork you know, where we want to go. So we decided to That's a good sign. move back up. Yeah, we immediately started thinking as a duo right away. Um, so we decided to move up to San Jose, where my parents were, back to San Jose. Always back to San Jose. And at Always. the time, your boyfriend's not from San Jose. No, he was from Ventura. Ventura. So, yeah. so he, did, did he know what he was getting himself into, you know, from the beaches to, like, the suburbs? The warning. Yeah. No, Ventura is very suburbs. So we were just moving from huh. suburb to suburb, really. Okay. And it wasn't that much of a different, wasn't much of a shift. If I had asked him to move up into the Santa Cruz Mountains, that would have been a totally different shift because there's nobody in the Santa Cruz Mountains, as we mentioned earlier. <laughs> that would have been a shift. But no, um, we moved up to San Jose and we lived with my parents for a while and had jobs and tried to save up money and like focused on that part for a few years, just okay. survival. And you did not go back to art during this time? You know, it was always there, and I always went back to it to do it, but I never, you know, got really serious. All right. So when was that time where you did take it serious? Like, what was that pivotal, uh, inciting moment, as we put it in, in film talk? I think that in my 30s, I started considering calling myself an artist more, which is important, actually, to just sit there and have it be part of your identity and not be ashamed or need to explain or anything like that. Just say, oh, I'm an artist. Like, yeah. that's what I do. And be fine with that. And I, during all those times, I had jobs. And so I kept wanting to identify with the job I had because I've always been a super, like, I, I, I tend to overwork. Like, I really put myself into my, my nine to five, right? So then I wanted to find myself as this and as that and all these things. And it's like, no, I'm really... Aside, underneath all that, I'm really an artist and I need to start shifting my life to be more of that identity. And then I started calling my jobs day jobs, you know, when you start to kind of make that 
mental shift is important. Um, so that was my that was my thirties getting getting through that. What kind of jobs were you taking? I had a bunch of jobs. I worked at a gift shop. I worked at um, uh, executive recruiting is what it's called. What is that? I know. I I knew when I was going to say it. It's like <laughs> I'm going to tell them what executive recruiting is. Uh, are you recruiting uh, CEOs here, or what's the deal? Oh, oh okay. See, so, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's basically a headhunter. You know. Oh, a headhunter. Got yeah, it. but this Got is it. for. Um, for city, um, like police chiefs and city managers and town, like local wow. public. So how's the process of that? Because you're putting people in authority positions and not uh, for the safety of Oh, yes. The uh, power. The, the power. So what do you look, <laughs> what do you look, for, what do you look for in those candidates? Um, I wasn't a, I wasn't a headhunter. I was assisting a headhunter. So mm. I got to use my writing skills to help put the packets together to um put it out there like the packets for for the recruiters so i was basically and i type really fast and so (laughs) that was the skill i was literally taking dictation i know that's very old-fashioned sounding thing but it's like i told a friend the other day it's like oh i used to work in a year called uh 1965 (laughs) <laughs> and it was this office. <laughs> They'll never hear this. Um, but it was very, you know, the, the men all were the headhunters and the women all were the, the typists and uh. took dictation. And we would um, massage the text into something more readable. Right. And I would also make phone calls because I like getting on the phone talking to people. So I'd make phone calls and do um, references, reference checks. But these were ones we would actually call certain people and talk to them about the person and like kind of grill them a little bit about you actually enjoyed it the deep psychology of these people oh yeah i love it yeah just digging into it oh yeah i love it when they talk to me yeah it was great yeah yeah. sometimes they want to talk sometimes it's like i don't want to talk to you please no because you got some pretty (laughs) difficult questions right you got to be like all right did this person at, at any point seem weird to where he's he's harmful to the community (laughs) <laughs> or anything like that? No, this was more because these people were already really high level. They'd already kind of been vetted to some degree, so um, it was more like what kind of um, what kind of work they did at that level, like you know, dealt with it. How well did they deal with the community? Mm-hmm. You know, more like they would not be a danger by that point. <laughs> they they wouldn't have gotten that far. These are people who were. Um, you know, police chiefs and fire chiefs. We did a lot of fire chiefs. Here in San Jose or in different areas? Um, this is an executive recruiting firm nationally, so. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So you would, like, remotely do it from, like... Yes, remotely. Here. Consulting. But we knew a lot more about California, obviously, because California is its own unique world. But sometimes you have to recruit from, like, the recent Oakland police chief is from... Where is she? I don't know. She's, she's from out of town, for mm. sure. But... Um, now, do you feel, well, this is more opinion-based, of course, because you're not in a position to, to, to really say yay or nay to a person, mm-hmm. but how important do you feel to get somebody from within the community to govern a community, community? Or do you think it's a good idea to get a third person who is outside the community to be a police chief to a community they, they, were, not, they were not raised in? Does that make sense? Yeah, I, and it totally depends. <laughs> um, and from what I saw... I can't give, you know, a yay or nay, but but from what I saw, it seemed to be a lot of times hiring from within, like nine times out of ten, it'd be an internal candidate anyway. Mm. So, um, yeah, if you know an area and you've got contacts already in an area, it's a lot easier to stay in that area. Now, whether or not it's a good thing or not, like sometimes, heck, you might need somebody to shake things up and say, you know, what are you guys doing? Like fresh, fresh pair of eyes, you know, that's something. Hmm. But um, anyway, that was one of the jobs I had. It was yeah. a thing and I liked parts of it, but I didn't really get into the the depths of being a recruiter. I thought about it. I, I went to night school. I got my degree in, in HR because I liked HR in general. And I thought maybe I can get a job doing this, but then now, hmm. now. All right, and uh, how did you get involved with the uh, art scene here in San Jose? Well, I uh, went to Phantom Galleries 
um, went to Phantom Galleries. Yeah, that's funny. Galleries that don't exist, I went to them. And, <laughs> and you know, Sherry Lakey was running them back in the 90s, I guess, or early 2000s. She's still running a couple today. Oh, I know. She's still yeah. doing it now. But at the time, it was only Phantom Galleries. It was like her uh, project and only that existed. It was before Collide Gallery. Where was it located? Um, I did my first Phantom Galleries gig on First Street in an uh, abandoned... She, she was trying to kind of revitalize that community and there are a lot of uh, plywood storefronts <laughs> and empty windows with nothing behind them, stuff like that. So I did uh, one of those storefronts and that was pretty cool. That was a pretty nice feeling because it was just me, it was just my work, it was pretty abstract, it was flowing, these big kind of horizontal flowing um, earth-toned landscapes with like fossils in them, like kind of a uh, spirals and bones and things in them but real subtle so but I did that and it covered you know I did a mural style covering the, the plywood and then I had individual pieces in the windows and that was pretty awesome being out there it was kind of the first time I was really out there in front of the community the world saying hey check out my art and there was no one there to talk to me and tell me it was bad so I thought it was great <laughs> In reference to earlier, you were saying, how's it feel to be criticized? Oh, I don't know. I didn't get any critique. Even so when you start getting involved with Phantom Galleries, you you took it in with great stride. Oh, yeah. It was really great. Yeah. It was nothing new experience for you necessarily where it's like, oh, wow, this is something I could get really behind. Oh, it was totally inspiring. Yeah. It was really something that I, again, it was the process of me defining myself as an artist. Mm-hmm. And when you're out there painting that big in front of people, like, yeah. just pretty much step into it and say, hey, I'm now an you, artist. You mentioned it's difficult to really identify yourself as an artist. Mm-hmm. And I could relate to that a lot. Uh, what made you say, finally, I am an artist? And what held you back from identifying yourself as an artist? I think I think it was my 30s. And again, experiences like phantom galleries and a couple times being in uh, shows i entered a few shows with some of my illustrations and i was doing fantasy uh inspired illustration at the time again from the world of fae kind of that sort of thing so i had some art out there and it was a good it was a good feeling but it was gradual and slow and i don't think turning around and being an artist is an easy thing to do because it's a little scary because you think well if i'm an artist then what? Yeah, there's an expectation behind it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and responsibility in some way. Right, you have to, if you say you're an artist, and it's like, well, you're an artist. Well, that's that's a bold statement. Not only is that a bold statement, like assuming that you're good enough, but then it's like, if that's your vocation, how are you going to support yourself? And how are you going to, you know, all those lovely inner voices that are put there by the world and others um, that... You know, it's a commitment. You have to do it. You have to. You have to kind of <clears throat> let go of expectation. Again, what I was saying earlier about a project that you just put out there and you say, "I'm putting it out there because I have to," and whatever happens, happens. Um, you have to do that with being an artist too, in general, just overall. Just say, "This is from within me, and I got to believe in it, and I got to do it." And it's the doing it. It's not. It's not calling yourself an artist and expecting some result. It's just letting go of whatever whatever that means. That's who I am, mm. and move forward. So. All right. So now you're like in your mid thirties, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and now you're. You're so nice. I like you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in my mid thirties. <laughs> well, not now, but I'm talking about at that time uh, when you got involved with Phantom Gallery. Yeah, yeah. And it, was your family behind it? Were they like, all right, like it, it was bound <laughs> to happen, Leia? Or was it more like, oh, now she's getting into that? First was yes, and that, then it was fairies, then it was dragons, <laughs> then it was film. Now it's this. I, I think they stopped. They let go of their expectation. <laughs> I don't think there was any. <laughs> At that point, it's like, whatever. <laughs> Our only child who a, put all this investment into is now doing this now. Okay, I mean, you know, whatever. She'll do whatever she wants. My parents, you know, to their... It sounds like I'm being critical. I'm not. They, to their... To their credit they have pretty much let me do whatever the hell i wanted my whole life and that's great so anyway would you say you had a good relationship with your parents then yeah yeah i love them deeply and they they have always supported me no matter what and it's been it it's been great Mm -hmm. you know 
but they never really had a lot of input either. They, they sort of kind of sat back and said, okay, you know, yeah. whatever you want to do, but they never really got involved and right. they just well, sort of sat back. As a parent, it's a tricky <laughs> thing, you know. It is. And it, it, it totally depends on the personality of the child. You know, because yeah. there's some children who, who can take that freedom and carry it on their own. Yeah. And there's others who need some sort of, uh, not attention, but validation of their work. And, right. and, and needs the, the parents to be more involved. So it, it's interesting that your parents took that uh, decision and it turns out well because it totally fit your personality. Yeah, I mean, I guess they, I always sensed that they had faith in me that I would come out on top no matter what. Mm-hmm. Like, she'll take care of me. Like, she'll do it. And I think that, that having faith in your kids is important. So mm-hmm. I always felt supported like that. So what are you up to now? You got, I have a kid too. Do you, do you have a kid now? She's 18. She just turned 18. Oh, how was that Ra- raising uh, raising her and and like and like the, considering you, your journey, your creative journey. Uh-huh. Now you you have to see someone else go through their journey. Yeah, that was another thing I did in my 30s was raise this kid. Forgot to mention that. <laughs> that was a little bit of a project. <laughs> Just a minor project. But like any project, you have to just let it turn out the way. And she just applied to San Jose State, just got accepted. And in the engineering, um, school of engineering. So she's totally unlike me. Really? Totally not. Is that good or bad? I think it's good. I think balance (laughs) balance has been restored in the universe. (laughs) Because she is very left brain. Uh-huh. And I'm very right brain, so together we're a whole brain. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And uh, is she, although she's left brained uh, that's a weird uh, way of putting it. Uh, <laughs> is she is she showing any any uh, appreciation of art? Yeah, she she will make up some character and doodle it sometimes. She's sort of into Pokemon and stuff, uh-huh. uh, but she really doesn't. Um, I don't know. Who's to say? Who's to say where her artistic journey will take her? I think everybody's got a little bit of art in them that they get out somehow. <laughs> It'll eventually sneak out <laughs> somehow. <laughs> um, but no, she. I don't think she's ever really gonna be the the artist person for like the whole. You know, give herself wholly to it like I have. Because right now I can say, boy, that's pretty much. All I do is just art in yeah. some form or another, right. art related and art activities 100% of my time. That's it. Right. But keep in mind, you went to college as a marine biologist. Yeah. That's a pretty left left uh, brain thing to, to do, right? I was just really good at memorizing facts about animals because I really like animals. And at that age, it's like, you know, if you're good at memorizing facts about animals and you take, I took a test to get a scholarship. Yeah. to go to UCSB for biology. So I obviously was, if I'm interested, see, that's the thing. If I'm interested enough in a thing, then I will just, that's, ask me anything. You know, I'll just be really into it. I'll forget a couple mm-hmm. years later. But at the time, you know, if I'm really into it, I really like it, then that's where I need to be doing, that's where I need to live. The things I like, I need to be doing. Otherwise, I won't care. I won't remember. I just know, you know. So where are you at now? Where am I at? 100% yeah. of my time, art, 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 all the time, all the time. And teaching art. Um, and Where do you teach? From my home studio. Like you're doing here. You're mm-hmm. doing your thing from your home studio. I'm doing my thing from my home studio. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not getting paid in any way. Uh, but I got I to work on you that, You should be. Yeah. You have what? A, <laughs> you have a uh, crowdfunding concept going, I'm sure. You have Patreon. I got so many things going on that I forget to, and that's my problem I'm the opposite of you maybe because mm-hmm. I, I got so many things happening at once that I can never fully concentrate on something you know fully and really flesh it out um, whether it's podcasting filmmaking music comedy uh, even writing it's like I haven't touched that writing wall for a while now well so, you know you're like me you're a comma person I always tell people I'm a, a, comma, com- person. a comma person what is that it means when you describe yourself, you can't use one word. You have to use a lot of commas. But here's the thing, though. I, it might change, <laughs> but people call me an artist, and I do not consider myself an artist. Okay. You know, because I'm going through that turmoil of, like, what is that? Why an artist? What does that mean when it's put in, in my name? What responsibility do I have now mm. uh, to be called an artist? So mm. I've yet to be there to really consider myself a, 
a, uh, I, I don't know, something of that sort. Right, right. What has to be there? I don't know. I don't know, but you seem to be like a, a comma guy. Like comma guy. Writer, I like that. Writer, comedy, comma, comedy, comma, <laughs> podcasting, comma, other stuff. Uh, although sometimes I feel more of an exclamation guy. Yeah. Exc- an exclamation point at yeah. the end of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like not not like an exciting exclamation point. More like a, like, like like oh dear God exclamation <laughs> point. Like what does this all mean? <laughs> Horrors. <laughs> No, I think it's okay to do a lot of different things, yeah. and that's that's fine. That's your that's your artistic journey. You're doing a lot of different things. But when I when I ask what are you studying now, it's like what is it? What's the theme you're studying now mm-hmm. that, that you're concentrating on? Is it still is it still toads and amphibians? No, I, you know, like I do, I have a project, I put myself into it, and it's over, and I move on. I do the next thing, and the next thing for me was yarn, and I've been working with yarn for a couple of years. Right, the the yeah. circle stuff, the swirlies the that I swirly. mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did that come about? Yarn swirlies. Um, gee, I can't remember when that came about, but it was just one of those things where I had a lot of yarn. I, in general, I'm sort of a collector, like I'm a magpie. I have a lot of things in my studio, and they're just interesting art supplies. Like, here's an interesting art supply. Here's a box full of pieces of paper. Here's a box full of broken glass here's a you know just like things and I collect them and then I get into the mood and I'll noodle around my studio and look around and go huh this looks neat maybe I should play with this for a while and then I'll try to make something out of it because I have it shouldn't I try to make something out of it so I uh, had a lot of yarn because I started trying to learn to knit failed I learned how to crochet decently not great but I can Mm. make a scarf yay and so I had all these you know, yarn from something. I said, I like yarn. Yarn is good. Why don't I try do things, doing things with yarn? I wonder if I could glue it to a piece of cardboard. I wonder if I could glue it to a canvas. What would happen if I painted it first? What would, you know, like, and then just go down that road. And then eventually I learned that it is painstaking and time consuming. And it also looks really pretty and cool. Um, I like to use just a bottle of Elmer's glue in one hand and yarn in the other. So I'm basically using the most basic material you could possibly, you know, material that you may have in your home right now. I wanted to make sure it wasn't hard to find. Keeping it simple. Keeping it really simple and really basic and and something about using those tools as as, uh, access is that childlike part of my brain from school. So it feels like a school project, like something I would do in kindergarten. Right. And that to me is important because in that kindergarten headspace that's where do you feel like this might go full circle and you just yarn out yes like a big (laughs) yes format or something with your yarn they don't really exist as a band anymore but if they did that would be my dream assignment yeah (laughs) they call me hey can you do can you do a cover for us oh that would be great something to put in in each album as they send them out like a little, little, (laughs) little yard design in general i'd love to do an album cover yeah. Man, album covers are great. Oh, I had an opportunity to do an album cover for a friend of mine. The, right there on the right. Jake, oh. Jake Wickman. I did the photography and I collaborated with a guy to Photoshop it. But Oh, but, sweet. Uh, but it's fun. It's interesting. It's, yeah. it's, you should t- totally try it. Yeah, I should. Because it's becoming a lost art a bit. I, I think these days people are just downloading and streaming. They, they, they don't have that experience of buying a physical uh, album, playing it, and just going through the art or just going through the the notes the who, who recorded this I'm where was this recorded I'm big into vinyl I'm big into vinyl Me too. for this reason I got yeah I'm working because, on my vinyl collection Nice so am I because of the same reason you just said because you have a thing and it has it's 12 by 12 and you can open it sometimes and there's liner notes inserts and so and just makes me just makes my brain explode I love it so much because the, to me that tactile visual aspect mm-hmm. is part of what you're paying for like mm-hmm. you could listen to a song any day, right. and they're great songs, I'm sure. But, and also, you know, the intention of the artist that created the album intended for you to hear it in album form. A lot of time, if they're pre, you know, 1991 or so, they they might have had that intention already, or probably did, that you listen to all these songs in this order, and this one be the first one you put your needle down on, and this one be the last one, and you know, it's important. It's how it's intended to be consumed, not one song at a time isolated. It's not really that. Where do you shop around for your records? Well, Streetlight, Rasputin's. Oh, yeah. 
Where How I... have we not run into each other before? I don't know. Maybe we did. We just didn't know who we, we were. Like oh, I was, yeah. oh, that chick had a real cool uh, pink hair. <laughs> You're like, that guy had fur on his face. That's a weird guy. <laughs> Stay away from that guy. No, no. My husband has fur on his face. So furry people, yeah. you know, we get along. That's fine. <laughs> the other day I went to a comedy open mic. And, uh, I had the, a friend of mine. She was uh, hosting it. And she hasn't seen me for a while. Mm-hmm. So she did not go, oh, you have a beard growing. She did not say that. She said, you have fur growing. I'm like, wow, that's pretty funny. Like. I don't <laughs> That's what came out of her mouth was, was fur. fur. Yeah, I'm looking at yeah. it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is furry. Do it, it does have a furry. Do you think you could yarn something out of it? <laughs> Enough to be longer. <laughs> I work on it. But Streetlight Records, Rasputins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just found out it's this great place in downtown San Jose called uh, Needle to the Groove. Great guys that run it. Small. Really? It's small. It's comfy. If you're claustrophobic, you might have a little problem. But overall, I, I loved it. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Just check it out. Yeah. Where is it? It's in uh, Santa Clara Street downtown. Oh, Santa Clara Street. Okay. Yeah, it's on um, Mental Note Eighth Street. There's a lot of exciting yeah. stuff going going on in downtown San Jose. It's it's a different place than it was how, years ago. I love how, it. How do you describe downtown from when you first got into the scene to what it is now? Well, when I got into it at first with Phantom Galleries, it was to try to get something on First Street because there was nothing there, but abandoned old buildings. I'm exaggerating, but at the time it was pretty you're not desolate. the first person to tell me that by the way it's pretty desolate yeah, yeah, yeah. it was it was a bit um and it was dangerous um i've been told that too yeah people would just tell me like you don't go down there just don't just don't or, or just don't get out of your car and you know that sounds extreme but when you're a little teeny little white woman all by yourself you know i mean you gotta <laughs> You gotta know or, these things. Or a woman in general, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a woman in general, yeah. yeah. But I mean, I'm not even a woman who looks like I could run very far, <laughs> get very far. It's like her short legs won't take her. Um, but anyway, the yeah. So that was it had a reputation a long time, and there was nothing. There's no reason anyway, no reason to go downtown because there's nothing to do. I'm so. I have to say, I just love what Sherry's done with Phantom Galleries and with Collide, and I'm. Because then I, that was another part of my growth as an artist to say, hey, I'm going to have my work in a gallery. I'm going to join up with Collide and I'm going to put my art up and leave it there actually in an actual gallery and see if anyone buys it and then think about that, you know, and then I had a show and, uh, you know, one thing leads to another, but without places like Collide, it would have never, it would have never happened. So. All right. We reached the hour mark, Leia. We're at one hour. Yay. One hour. We're closing off shop now. Okay. It's been, it's been fun having you here. I think you're great. It's awesome. Well, thank yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. It's been good to be here. Now, uh, last question is, mm-hmm. uh, you saw yourself as that 11-year-old drawing wow in the middle of the forest. Mm-hmm. Would you give yourself any bit of advice? <laughs> you know, I'm not a fan of time travel in general. <laughs> I thought you were a science nerd. I think you could really mess things up by doing this. <laughs> but if I could if I could go back and tell myself anything, I'd be like, chill out, don't change a thing, don't worry so much. It's all going to come out just fine. Everything will come out the way it should. So don't change a thing. That's a hard one. Don't worry so much. Don't worry so much. It's an important one, but it's hard. Yeah, but if I had just done the exact same things but just worried less about them. Yeah. It would have been better. Nothing would have changed, really, except it just would have been better. I would have felt better. (laughs) All right, Leah J., thank you for coming. Thank you for having me.